Hey everyone, and welcome to this episode of Make Things Make Sense. On today's episode, we're talking about how being a problem solver in your company could actually be creating more problems. The purpose of today's podcast is to help managers and business leaders out there that are burning out, putting out fires, realize that unfortunately, or maybe even ironically, the more problems we try to solve for other people, the more we might create. I'm going to walk you through my experience of evolving into a solution facilitator. We're going to talk about personality types. I'm going to talk about an amazing book that's helped me get my brain running in the right direction for this whole process. We'll talk about listening, distractions, and focus, how to internalize the change, and most importantly, how to get valuable feedback from your team. We all know everyone can solve problems, and having a methodology to solving problems helps a lot. But helping others solve their own problems and enabling them to develop their own methodology to do so is even better. So today, I'm going to talk about how I stopped being the bottleneck in our company, by not solving everyone's problems, as was my previous job title, literally problem solver, and how I evolved into what we call a solution facilitator. During my transition, I needed some key items. Needed educational sources to learn what being a solution facilitator or coach to my team really meant. I needed transparency with all of my team that I was gonna try a new leadership style, and I really needed and appreciated their feedback during my own growth. I needed a method to measure whether what I was doing was actually helpful or not. And of course, I needed clarity on my own purpose and if this method of working was conducive to the way that I wanted to live my life, the way that I want to make impact and my own personal growth. So on today's podcast, I'm going to share with you my journey from the problem solver to the solution facilitator what that meant to me, how I went about it, and the impact it's had on our business. So please bear in mind that we are talking about fundamentally changing the way I have operated for the past six years in Growth Gurus and seven years in the one prior to that, which was our events company. To do this, I had to practice patience, I needed a lot of support, and mostly, I needed self-awareness of my own triggers, which is 100% the hardest part of all of this for me, and something I'm continuously learning all the time. What triggers me in other people's behaviors or in outcomes of situations which might send me straight back into problem-solving mode rather than being the coach or the solution facilitator that my team needs. To me, this is really important and profound because although I haven't defined it perfectly, my why as a person is to help others succeed in achieving their goals. I believe that together we are stronger than the sum of our parts And by helping individuals, by helping teams, by helping companies learn to solve their own problems and move forward together in their careers, in their lives, it just creates continuous growth. It creates a virtuous cycle as opposed to a vicious cycle. And this is something that I really want to push forward and inspire in my life. To evolve from being a problem solver to a solution facilitator, and I keep repeating those kind of titles because it's what I had to drum into my own head, that by solving people's problems all the time for them, I was just that, I was simply a problem solver, which is awesome, year one, year two, year three, but it's very, very mentally tiring and challenging, and also, who the hell am I to solve everyone's problems? But 
by practicing the skill of problem solving enough and then flipping it on its head and enabling myself to become a solution facilitator, helping people devise their own plans to figure out how they want to solve their own problems. That's really the step that I took that really inspired me. In one of my favorite books at the moment called The Coaching Habit by Michael Bungay Steiner, I suggest every leader or manager should read at least once. The concept of say less, ask more is really drilled in. It's a very powerful book with a lot of great learnings. It's got seven questions, which will just really speed up the whole process to understanding what coaching is about. I'm not saying it's going to turn you into one, but it really gives you the insights and the ability to just have more open conversations with your team to learn about what their needs are, again, to help them solve their own problems. Just put yourself in my shoes for a second. Imagine a lifetime of being told, oh, you're so good at problem solving. Oh, Al, can we have 10 minutes of your time? Just need to discuss this issue. You know, just consistent reinforcement of what was actually (laughs) going to drive me crazy. So all that praise of, wow, you know, problem solving is really your forte. I, I, I went into it. I ate it all up. And for those of you that understand or study sort of personality types, um, in DISC, I'm what's called the director. In Five Voices or Giant, I'm what's called the pioneer. In the Jungian type, I am ENTJ. Essentially, what that breaks down to, if, if I were to take a sentence from, from those tests and outputs, I'm defined, or my character type is, people with this personality tend to be natural leaders, although they might sometimes appear stubborn, They're very likable because of their high energy level, charisma, and openness to new ideas. They are great at spotting even minor problems, analyzing them rationally, and finding reasonable solutions. So my character is literally defined as a problem solver that people like to speak to. And that's what I really evolved into over time. It's what's been reinforced all of my life. As part of this, I know that I have a tendency to talk first, fast, and loud, which can be overpowering. So it's been majorly important for me to realize that not everyone is bursting to talk as soon as they hear a question or someone puts out a statement and not everyone is just immediately looking to put forward their thought process. So a hugely important step for me has been to give space to other personality types, especially my polar opposite, such as nurturers or the conscientious types. And what this does is it enables them to you know, in our meetings, we, we use the voice order. So because through the tests, let's call it five voices, um, I have the most powerful voice, I have to speak last. Those with the lowest volume voice, they have to speak first. So for us, it goes nurturer, um, creative, guardian, connector, pioneer. So we all know what everyone is. And by doing this, we've enabled and facilitated much better communication with the team. Getting a nurturer to speak first actually requires a bit of silence in the room because nurturers usually analyze and then speak. So they need to put their thoughts together. It makes conversations much easier and gives meetings a format. And being a pioneer or a director, whatever you want to call it, just the type of personality I am, by being a problem solver, instead of speaking first and solving everyone's problems, I listen to everyone else's solution. And then... I take all that information in and I come up with, hopefully, an even better, more holistic solution than what I would have just blurted out first because now I have so much more information. So this was really step one for me. Learning to listen to others first, no matter how badly I was dying to blurt out my answers, collate the info they put forward and then give the final answer with everyone's 
input calculated into my own for a much more holistic issue solving methodology. So the first step of my evolution is don't speak first, listen to everyone else and then put forward an answer. In the coaching habit, that same book I'm talking about, we are taught a very, very powerful concept. The minute we begin to think we have all the answers, we forget the questions. How many times have you been speaking to someone and they say something that just gets your brain running? And at that moment, you can barely even hear what else they are saying. They reminded you of something, it's triggered an idea in your head, you've got you know, the domino effect, so many things running, your brain is just moving so fast and so loud, and you're so excited, you've figured out their problem, or you have an exciting story you want to tell them, that you've actually stopped listening. So what's happening there is you're killing the conversation, you're stopping any real problem solving from happening because you've stopped listening. So what we all need to do, and this was step two for me, is really practice active listening. Just really focus on listening to the person, and when you have a thought, acknowledge you have that thought, put it to the side, and refocus on that person. It's okay if you get distracted, if you're distracted by what I'm saying now, if your brain is running off at a million miles thinking of other things, but the goal is then to focus on what the other person is saying and listen. Obviously, in this case, it's a podcast, you're not going to be asking me questions, but you get the point. You might have experienced it the other way around. So if you're not, let's say, as direct as I am on, on, on one side of the scale, if you're on the other side, a more nurturer person, you might realize that you'll be telling someone and just in the part of the story where you're just giving them context, you have now been interrupted with a new idea and this whole conversation is going off at a tangent, right? So you've triggered something in, in the other person's brain that you're speaking to and now you've sort of been shut down. So, you know, you can be either receiving or giving this kind of thing and active listening is really, really important. So my experience at work was totally shifted. As someone who really focuses on operations, problem solving, and I was proud of being busy all the time, you know, I have to say, it's, it's weird now to have free time to do this podcast, to think about conversations and grow for them. It took me some getting used to that. So prior to that, every person's problem was literally a blue block in my calendar. Um, I was doing 8 to 20 calls a day, metaphorically putting out fires, obviously, because it's all online. And, um, you know, they could be 8-hour calls of an hour each. They could have been 20 calls of 15 minutes to half an hour. People had my calendar. They had access to my calendar. And that was it. And that was my experience of work for many years, which wasn't really sustainable. And I know a lot of people are going through this too. And then you ask, so what work were you actually doing besides problem solving? That's what after hours was for, right? So I was actually doing my job afterwards once I went through eight hours of calls a day. So this was tough and, and moving away has given me more free time to grow as a person and help my team grow. So I'm just gonna keep pushing that forward. Sorry if it's repetitive, but it's really important to me that I share this. I next analyzed everything that has helped me grow over the past two years because this is a journey that I'm currently on and I've been going on for the last year or so. So I looked backwards, two years, and I realized there are a few key things that boil down into why I ended up being a problem solver and how I came so you know, stuck in that role and how I became a bottleneck for the company. First off was 
when we moved to fully remote working, I became overly efficient. I was in my element. You know, there was nobody knocking on my door. There weren't people asking me random things to speak to me. Everything had to become scheduled. Everything could become a 15, 30 minute, 60 minute conversation. And all this kind of stuff really helped me just become super efficient in managing my time. Boom, that's my trigger point. Extreme amounts of chaos led me to become overly stressed and my problem-solving habits go into overdrive to feel like I'm accomplishing, to feel like I'm successful. When really, I feel like in hindsight, all I was doing is every problem that came, when I thought I was crossing it out, I was actually just cutting it in half because every task led to more and more tasks. And the more I made my team dependent on me to solve their problems, the less they grew and the more stressed I became. Next, I realized I needed to focus on my emotional intelligence, which I can tell you is not very high. But thanks to Julian and thanks to many other people in my life, I've learned to understand the fundamental principles of emotional intelligence, which really helped me get better at receiving information and not acting on it too logically or unemotionally. And being more self-aware gave me the ability to once again, learn about my own triggers and the triggers of others. Internally, I have a monthly one-to-one with our in-house nurturer, Izzy, who tells me what it's like being on the other side of the table, whether that's in our meetings, whether that's in coaching sessions. And for me, it's been very positive growth from removing myself from the problem solver and becoming the solution facilitator. It is appreciated by the other voices or personality types in the company. And lastly was my educational material. I love to learn, whether it's from podcasts or from books or seminars or webinars or just in conversations with my peers. Me and my friends are like, you're the only friend we know that we speak to about in-depth topics and you write notes about our conversations. It's how I am, maybe extra nerdy, but I I really enjoy the educational process and learning from it. And it's something I aspire to, to share with others. Next. I then started to dive into all the tools and exercises I've learned from EOS, from Giant, from all the different coaches that, that have worked along the way, from all the different books. And I started taking the concepts that meant a lot to me. So going back to the beginning, I mentioned that I needed a few key methods to know if I was doing this right. Of course, I needed the educational sources, which I've mentioned. I needed transparency with all my team. I needed a method to measure whether what I was doing was helpful, and I needed clarity on purpose. So we've ticked off a few of those boxes already, but to measure whether I was doing a good job or not, I borrowed from EOS. And what I do now after every single session is I ask what is most valuable to the person from that session, what they learned from it, and I also share what I felt was most valuable to make that a more social method of of getting feedback. I then ask them to give me a score. So I do this in, I'd say 90% of the meetings that I run, where everything is scored out of 10. If it's below an eight, please let me know why, and I will do my best to work that out next time. And we'll sometimes discuss it, you know, if I've gotten a six or a seven, where did I go wrong? How did I make you feel? Was I too pushy towards one of the solutions I felt was important? So I like to dive into that, to really reinforce to myself that I'm doing things right or wrong. These opportunities, these little sessions to help your team development, they don't need to be, you know, a a fully scheduled session. This could be a five-minute Slack chat where you're just asking a few key questions. Or this could be, you know, hanging around by the water cooler. Or it could be an impromptu call or at the end of a call when when someone's asked you a question. 
So you can, of course, schedule two-hour one-to-ones. You can do whatever you want in this. But the whole goal of helping people solve problems is that we need to remove the idea that the problem can only be solved within a small time gap in your calendar. Or in my case, that's how it was. It needs to be problem solving or solution facilitating is ongoing and continuous. As I've explained that these sessions can be very varied, the goal is for yourself to always be learning and growing with your team. So it's not always solving their problems, but you're asking them the questions that help them solve their own problems, enabling them to come up with far deeper, far more specialized thought processes and solutions that you or I could even offer. Unless you are you know, let's say it's HR. I don't have a ton of experience in HR. For a while, I was solving all the problems there, but I realized our HR manager, when I act as a solution facilitator, is so much more powerful in solving the problems in what she needs. There are millions of books, the million questions that you can use during your coaching or mentoring or consulting. You can learn from a plethora of people. And the main goal of this podcast is explain to you that if you feel like you are the ultimate problem solver of your business, you are probably one of the main problems. Really think about that. If you are the full problem solver of your business and it's any size of company, you know, larger than like five, 10 people, then you are probably one of the biggest problems. You're going to become a bottleneck because you don't have enough time in the day to solve everyone's problems and you need to be offloading that onto your team. It's really about changing your viewpoint and the way that you help others. So as I explained, from having eight to 20 calls a day, my week is now about 50% booked up on a busy week. So I have time and it's booked with meaningful structured meetings that all get scored, that all have the value of them discussed at the end. And even better is I rarely have to solve other people's problems because a lot of the time they're now coming with their own solutions. So if I'm really, really lucky, I just get to add the icing on a cake to a brilliant idea that they've already come up with and see how to advance it or I get to ask very specific questions that leads them to evolve on their own. And I've noticed this gives a lot more accountability and responsibility to my team in their roles while just freeing them from feeling like they're tethered to me to solve their problems and that my calendar is going to judge how quickly things are going to be solved. So really think about that. What What I've been thinking is who am I or who are you to tell your entire team what to do? right? If you're working in an old family business, maybe that's the mentality, but really you can't possibly know everyone's job better than they do. If you do, why did you hire these people? Evolving from a problem solver to a solution facilitator has been one of the most freeing exercises that I have undergone. And I believe that from speaking to many other business leaders, they feel the same. The output is incredible, but the journey is tough and everyone needs to find their own path. The more I practice, the more I realize that my path and my purpose is to help people. And I am now channeling my growth in life towards the service of others. If you listen this far, then I believe you may relate to the issue of being the bottleneck, the only problem solver in the company or the main problem solver. So if you want to get out of that, here's what I suggest your next steps are. Speak to your team and ask if that's how they feel. Get clarity on whether you even are a bottleneck or if it's just your feeling and how they can help you get out of that. Then internalize the idea of helping others solve their own problems. It really sounds so simple, but it's so different to actually solving someone's problem to getting to where they need to be to solve it themselves. Find the right educational material that suits you to get you there. 
I highly suggest the book I mentioned earlier, The Coaching Habit, as a start, as it's an easy read and I'll give you the fundamentals. Executing personality tests within your company or at least with your own team. To get to know yourself deeper and to get to know how your team are going to receive you and the best way to communicate with them. Say less and ask more. And remember, the minute we begin to think that we have all the answers, we forget the questions. Get continuous feedback from your team on the value of your sessions and ask them how you can improve while letting them know how they can improve so that you can build a virtuous cycle in your work life. Thank you so much for listening if you've made it this far through. This is my first solo podcast and I was really excited to share the first part of my journey with you guys. It's a privilege to be able to share this information with you and to get all of the awesome feedback. As you've probably heard in this podcast and many of the others, I am borderline obsessed with personality types. So if you'd like to find out what your five voices are, simply check out fivevoices.com. That's our free tip or free giveaway for this podcast. And we would love to know who you are. So I'm a pioneer connector. And uh, if you happen to be the same, reach out. I'd love to get to know you. Thank you very much for your time, for your ears. And as always, please just share this with one person you know needs to hear it. Thank you.